think I got it. Really has been a blessing. And when you get to these last few spots, you ask yourself, what in the world can I say that hasn't been said? And uh, there's really nothing you can say, but I'd like to try to be an encouragement to you. I want to say a big thank you to everyone, all the hospitality, and just the good spirit and good attitude. Uh, this meeting, I think I could sum it up and say it's just been very refreshing. It's just really been encouraging. It's, it's been good to kind of feel the breath of God just kind of breathe. Not just from the preaching, but from the singing as well. And it's been a great encouragement to me, and I think most of it could say that. I want to just give you a couple of things here. Matthew chapter number 11, to try to be an encouragement and go along the same line. Nothing real heavy tonight, nothing you don't already know. Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. We'll begin in verse number 2. Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 2. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Brother TK, would you ask the Lord to bless the message for us? Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for such a wonderful week, Lord, such a great day in the Lord, Lord. We can't wait to sit here and hear from you, Lord. We pray that you'll fill your preaching tonight. We give you the strength that you need, Lord. Just breathe on this message, Lord. Breathe on us, Lord. Open up our hearts, Lord. Let us ask you that we hear from heaven here. Lord, we love you and we look forward to hearing from you tonight. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think all of us are well aware that John the Baptist stands between the Old Testament and the New Testament. John is really the last of the Old Testament prophets. He's in that transitional place, and he's in that place where he definitely plays second fiddle, but he's also the herald. He is the messenger to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. John Phillips, the great commentator, says this about John. His altar calls brought people straight to the water. Their tears helped swell the waters of Jordan. John had to fade into the background like the moon before the rising sun. When you think about John the Baptist, what a great preacher. What a great symbol, if you can, encapsulate dedication. I mean, this man was chosen before he was ever born. He's one of three Nazarites that was separated from God from his mother's womb, and he lived a life of dedication from his birth up until his death. We know about John and how that his mother and father raised him right, and eventually I kind of surmise that possibly in his teenage years, possibly around 20, when he would have become a priest, he was in the priestly tribe. Instead of going in that vein, he chose to do what God told him to do, and that is to be separate. And God's word came to him 
when he separated himself and went out into the wilderness. Possibly at teenage years, possibly at 20. He had no mother and father by this time. They were older. They were probably already dead. He had no siblings. He had nobody but God. And God's word came to John in the deserts. And so John comes on the scene as a, a blast, if you will, as a uh, bulldozer of truth. And he begins to preach and he shows up and he basically says, they said, who are you? Can you imagine? We're talking about a man that people mistook him for Jesus. That's never happened to me. As, as great as you might think you are, I don't think nobody's ever mistook you for Jesus Christ. They said, who are you? Are you the Messiah? He's like, no. Are you that prophet? And you know what he said? He said, I'm just a voice. I'm a voice. And we learn from that, obviously, the message is more important than the messenger. Most of you are familiar with Brother Lentz's reference to when he was preaching on the street that time and the sheriff came in to shut him down and he was saying all these things. He said, who are you? Are you the pastor? They say you're the leader. And Brother Lentz said, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. And that sheriff looked at him. He says, you better shut your mouth or you're going to be an inmate in the jail. <laughs> but you know, the message is more important than the messenger, but it's hard not to look at somebody like John and try to glean from his dedication. He never got to taste grapes. He never got to wear the latest styles. Um, he was separated. And he made the statement in John chapter 3, and when he made it, I don't know that he fully realized the prophecy would be fulfilled in such a way as it was, but he made that famous statement in John chapter 3. He said, he must increase, and I must decrease. And so we're going to talk a little bit about John. I really just have two things I want to share with you here, if I can do that. We'll look at the criticisms about John, and then we'll look at the commendation of John. But I think, like I said, that John was a man that was dedicated, and he stood. Maybe you're familiar with this. I want to read this to you. Uncle Bud Robinson. He was a Methodist preacher, 19, I mean, 1855 to 1942 is when he lived. And he said this, O Lord, give me a backbone as big as a saw log and ribs like the sleepers under the church floor. Put iron shoes on me and galvanize breeches, and give me a rhinoceros hide for skin and hang a wagon load of determination up in the gable end of my soul and help me sign the contract to fight the devil as long as I have a fist, bite him as long as I've got a tooth, and then gum him till I die. All this I ask for Christ's sake, amen. I think about John when I think of that. I think about a man that had some backbone. He had some grit. Now, let me say this. He had some grace. When Jesus came across that Jordan River, John pointed out, and I think, you know, beyond his dispensational understanding. By the way, John did not see the cross before the crown. But somehow, he looked out and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. When Jesus came out there, he had grace. And he said, me baptize you? I'm telling you right now, if the Lord Jesus Christ walked in those back doors, we'd all be on our face. I might have started the message, but he would finish it. And John had that same attitude. He's like, Lord, you baptize me. I'm not baptizing you. 
He had grace toward the Lord, but you know what he had toward the world? He had some grit. Amen. He knew how to preach the word in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And he knew how, he knew how to preach. John's preaching was biblical. He quoted the Bible. And by the way, if you can't quote and preach the Bible when you preach, you don't have anything to preach. His preaching was biblical. His preaching was bold. Man, he stood up in front of adversity. He called Herod out on his sin. John was bold. He was biblical, but he was balanced. He not only would preach to the politicians, but he would preach to the privates and the military. And John's preaching was believable. The man believed what he said. He lived it. He was called up in it. The conscience of holiness was on his heart and on his mind while he preached. And when he did that, he received some criticism. And we know how he received criticism from the publicans and the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and even his peers, I'm sure. We know how he received the political criticism as well. But I want to say that maybe he receives a little criticism from us today as we read these first six verses. Here's John, the person we are to look up to. Here's John in a bad way. I want to submit to you that John's problem is not doubt. I don't think he doubts that Jesus is who he says he is. Notice in verse number six, John is offended. Jesus knows John better than we do, and Jesus says John's offended. John's in a place where he has some disappointments. He's reading the scriptures, and the scriptures say that he's going to be the herald. He's the messenger. He's the one that prepares the way, and then the king comes, and he's preaching the kingdom. John always preached the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. You don't see the kingdom of God preached until after John's put in prison. John preaches the kingdom, and John sees not the kingdom coming, but a jail cell. And no doubt he's disappointed, no doubt he's disillusioned, no doubt he is discouraged. Notice what Christ says about him in verse number 7. When they left, notice he says, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind. Yeah, John was shaken up a little bit. He's shaken up. And I think we can look in a little bit of critical mindset and we say, John, why are you in that position? And sometimes I think we get that way. And we see maybe our brother or our sister that, you know, we can see the blessings on the outside, but they might not be able to feel those blessings on the inside. And we wonder why they're discouraged. We wonder why they're so despondent and why they seem like they're in despair and why maybe they're offended at God. I'm going to tell you, the brethren can hurt your feelings, but sometimes even the Lord himself can hurt your feelings. And John's thinking, after everything, here I am in jail. Here I am in the prison cell. And I think that sometimes we might even can be critical of John. There's some, criticism, some criticisms about John. And yes, he is dedicated. Here's kind of the encouragement for you tonight, and hopefully we can remember this when this time may come in our life. Even though you may be dedicated, you will hit some lows. It might be Monday morning. <laughs> it's going to be rough leaving after this Monday, amen? And you might get in a low spot. 
you might get in a, a depressed spot. This is John's juniper junction right here. And John is discouraged. He's shaken with the wind. So there's some criticisms about John. But I want you to notice the commendation of John. Verses 7 to 11, notice that Jesus, when they leave, Jesus says, what did you go out to see? Verse number 8, but what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Look in verse 11. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, I don't know of any other kind, by the way. <laughs> among them that are born of women, there have not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Now here's what I want to point out, and I'm just about done. John's at a point where he's detained, he's demoted, and he's discouraged. And Jesus gives him a commendation. But here's what struck me as I preached through the life of John the Baptist and looked at this. Verse number 7. As they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes. John never heard verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. He never heard it. Now he had the words of Christ... You go tell John, and he had the words of Christ, and he had the works of Christ. And he even had a little reproof, blessed is he who is not offended in me. But he didn't hear this part. You ever read the book of Job, and you get to that thing, and you realize at the end of it, the Lord never gives Job an explanation. Now maybe later on, Elihu writes it and says, hey, Job, I've got a first edition I'd like for you to see. And he brings out that copy, and then Job begins to see chapters 1 and 2, what goes on behind the scene, but maybe not. Here's my point. It's not until the other side that John sees this commendation. And it might not be until you get on the other side when you hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So I want to encourage you, and I think these words are here, and I think it's written this way for us to see it in the Bible. Even though you might not hear it with the audible voice of Jesus, you not, might not hear him say, that a boy. You might not hear him say, good job. You might not even feel it. Don't you like it when you can just feel God's love and you can feel God's approval? When you're looking for God's approval, you might see the executioner come through the door. That doesn't mean he doesn't approve of your dedication. Because Jesus approved of John's dedication. Jesus Christ bragged on John the Baptist unlike he's ever bragged on anybody else before. I think these words are here to teach us and to encourage us. You're going to go through periods of your life where you stay faithful and you're dedicated to God but you don't get anything. All you can hear is the air conditioner going back and forth. All you can hear are the crickets. Maybe you need to read some things about John here and how the Lord viewed John. And I'm telling you what, it's going to be worth it when we see Jesus Christ. And we get to see him face to face and hopefully him say at least about something that we've done. Good job. You did it for me.
And I appreciate that. Father, thank you for this scripture. Thank you for the life of John. Help us, Lord, to apply it. Help us to be encouraged from a life of dedication that might go unnoticed. Lord, help us to realize we need to please you and just do our life the best that we can, what you've given us, to put a smile on your face, whether we receive notice of it here or not. Lord, help us to learn from this. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the rewards you have waiting for us on the other side. Lord, help us to have some grace and some grit and some backbone to do right for Christ's sake, we ask it. Amen.